Welcome back to Not Like a Regular Mom podcast. Today's episode is so important to me. It's probably one of the number one reasons why I wanted to start this podcast and the biggest topic that I want to talk about, Um, but it's a little heavy, so I wanted to make sure this intro kind of covers a few things. Um, We're speaking with an expert on postpartum depression and anxiety, among other mental health issues. Um, She is an expert in this topic. Uh, She's a therapist at a place called Postpartum Health and Harmony in Morris County, New Jersey, and she really specializes in helping women cope with the mental health struggles that sort of tend to show up after becoming a mom. Um, I, like many people, really didn't think that postpartum depression could happen to me even while it was happening. Um, And many people in my own life had no idea that I was struggling either. Um, So thanks to the help of my family and my friends and my, my therapist that I sought out, and even medication, I was able to get help and get better. And I think that's why I'm able to talk about it today. Um, and if any of what we talk about resonates with you, please do not hesitate to get help. I plan to put some resources in the description of this episode, and I we're, we talk about them in the episode as well. Um, but yeah, this is a big one. So please listen closely, look out for some signs within yourself, with your friends, with your family, and don't hesitate to reach out if you need anything, if you need any help finding some resources. And of course, please talk to your doctor. It's it's not too late and it's so important. No matter how late you think it is, no matter how deep you think you're in it, you can get help. And yeah, I'm not a doctor, but uh, Laura is a licensed therapist and I hope some of this really helps you if you need it. I want to welcome Laura Winters to the podcast. Laura is a therapist at Postpartum Health and Harmony in Morris County, New Jersey, and she is the most highly recommended therapist for postpartum mental health issues that I've found in my area, northern New Jersey. Um, So I'm so excited to have her on. Hi, Laura. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for your kind words and for having me on. Oh my gosh. Welcome to the podcast. I'm I'm so excited to talk about this with you. Um, this is such an important topic. So um, can you tell us who you are, what you do, what makes you not like a regular mom, aka why you're on this podcast? <laughs> sure, I'd be happy to. So I am a therapist. Uh, like you said, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I specialize in working with uh, moms and dads or other parents um, who are having some sort of struggle. So sometimes it starts in pregnancy, sometimes it's postpartum, sometimes just trying to conceive. Mm. Um, so that's what I do. I have a group practice. I'm so fortunate to have an awesome team of therapists who also share my passion and have the same specialty. Um, we also have a nurse practitioner who works with us. Um, so that's what I do. And as far as what makes me not like a regular mom, I love the title of the podcast. Thank you. Um, I would say because I'm passionate about crushing these crazy myths that are out there about parenthood and I think motherhood specifically. I love that. I, I can't wait to talk to you about all of these things, especially because when I first looked into contacting you, I went to your website and right when you open up your website in big letters, it says, when your parenting journey, parenthood journey doesn't feel social media worthy. Mm-hmm. I so relate to that. So I love that you guys kind of go in with that focus. I think that really speaks to millennial moms. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you think so many women try to craft and portray this perfect, unrealistic, fake portrait of their lives? I think that there's a lot of pressure to do that. I think that, you know, definitely that's there on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've talked about that with clients that, um, you know, they find themselves comparing themselves to friends or other random, you know, social media accounts and what they see on there and how they feel like that's what they should be as a parent. Um, or, you know, there's like certain trends with taking like the monthly pictures, right? (laughs) And if you don't do that or you miss one month or you're late, you know, it can make you feel just awful because that is supposedly the expectation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I totally agree. It's just all around us. 
And I feel like, at least for me and a lot of moms that I know, it makes moms who are suffering in some way or just having mom guilt, it makes them feel so much worse about their situations, but it's just not real. Absolutely. I remember I have a daughter and I remember she was just a couple months old and my friends had kids already and some of them were like, oh, send us pictures. And I was like, of what? Yeah. (laughs) I love her and we're bonded, but like she just sleeps all the time. Like what? It's not very exciting. I completely relate to that. Yeah. But like that's, you know, that's the expectation and you know, there was nothing wrong with what they were asking, but I feel like that's the expectation is pictures all the time and they have to be a certain way. Do you think this comparison culture is something that's sort of new or newer for moms in this generation, maybe the previous generation? I can't imagine what the equivalent was before this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like definitely all the social media presence just fuels that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think comparison has always existed. Yeah. Um, That's always been there for us as humans. We've always, you know, tend to we don't do a fair comparison oftentimes when we compare, you know, we're not, we're not set up to do uh, research studies. Our minds don't default to that where, you know, you have to take all these variables into account and make sure it's representative of all different things. Right. Right. We tend to just compare to those that make us feel less than. Yeah. I, I have a lot of mom friends that my, my perfect example for this is when some of my friends go on vacation, they post, of course you want to post the highlight reel of your vacation as you should, Mm -hmm. but it, I remember feeling so bad. Like, my God, I, I I don't know how I could do a vacation right now. And when I was struggling or just without depression, you know, uh, it just, it doesn't, it didn't seem realistic to me. And then I would talk to those same mom friends and I'd say, Oh, how was your vacation? It looked beautiful. And then they would say, Oh my God, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it's like, God, I kind of wish you wrote that in the caption. (laughs) Right. I know. Post some of those pictures too. Yeah. Right. Right. So, Yeah. yeah. So motherhood is obviously really, really hard, especially in the beginning, whether you have depression or not. So And life can be really hard whether you have depression or not. So let's get into, first of all, how is postpartum depression different from regular depression? Mm -hmm, Sure. So I think one of the, well, I think there's a few major differences, right? I think that one of the first major differences that I think a lot of people when you talk about this topic are pretty aware of is the hormonal changes, Mm. right? Hormonal changes start during pregnancy, your progesterone and estrogen increase. And then right after birth, they immediately come crashing down. And then of course, if you breastfeed, that slows down the different hormonal fluctuations that will happen over the next several months postpartum. Um, So that has a major effect on our mood and our anxiety level. Um, I think that also the timing of it is different than regular depression. You know, regular depression can occur whenever in anyone's life. But because postpartum depression occurs at a time when you're welcoming a new baby into your family, a time when everyone else around you is so excited for you and expecting, I think, certain things like expecting you to be happy and to be embracing this new role. And the reality can be that it's, well, I think the reality is that it is really hard right? Regardless mm-hmm. of if you suffer from postpartum depression or not. Right. Um, it just is, it's hard having a new baby because of all that they demand from you and how much time and energy they require and how they affect your sleeping mm-hmm. and limit your ability to care for yourself. So I think that the timing of it and what it means to us and other people also impacts um, or also makes it different rather than regular depression. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I've learned from my experience that I do have certain triggers like not sleeping. I don't know if it's because Mm -hmm. the first time I was so sleep deprived was when I was first going through depression or or what, but it makes me, it kind of brings me back to those feelings. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard when you're a new mom, you know, I have a second baby now and to go through that, you have to not sleep. (laughs) It's just part of it. Um, So- finding ways to cope with that is is really big. And I think that there it's really hard to think straight too when you're that tired and you don't even have a second to think. So it's scary. Mm-hmm. And it is. this time, um, 
when I had my baby, I found it so interesting. I, I don't know if it's because I had told them that I did suffer from postpartum depression with my first son. They were so mm-hmm. on top of it at the hospital. I mean, oh, I feel funny. like, yeah, I feel like I like gave birth and like five minutes later, they were like, how are you feeling? Are you feeling depressed? I was like, I feel like I'm not going to know until I get home. <laughs> Thank right. you for asking. And I think that there's some confusion with baby blues, as they call it, versus postpartum depression. Could you differentiate between the two? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, so the baby blues are really common. Almost every mother is going to experience them. Um, so the, the statistic, I believe, is between about 70 and 85% of women experience the baby blues. And what that is, it's, the, it's following birth the first two weeks. And what that looks like um, could be crying. Um, it could be a sad mood. Um, it could be irritability as well, and maybe just feeling more prone to anger or snapping at you know people around you. Um, so those kind of fluctuations in your mood is what the baby blues look like. Um, they will go away on their own after that two weeks is up. They should, if that's all it is, it should just go away on its own without any kind of uh, intervention being necessary. It's just a response to the hormonal changes that you're experiencing. Mm and how uh, postpartum depression or, well, let me back up to you and just say a little bit about, um, because postpartum depression is kind of like an umbrella term, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we mean depression and sometimes we mean anxiety. Mm -hmm. So there is, um, you might also see a lot of people will also talk about PMADS, which stand for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, because Mm -hmm. it kind of captures all of those disorders that can occur post while pregnancy and postpartum as well. so, you know, when we say TPD, we might also mean anxiety here today, yes. just to put it out there. Um, so PPD or anxiety, what that looks like is it's, um, it can, well, since, the, you know, since there is, there could be just depression or there could be anxiety or a mix of the both, you can have those different symptoms. So, you know, it could look like uh, having trouble sleeping and more of like the anxiety side not being able to sleep, even though, you know, baby's taken care of, it's nighttime, you should be sleeping, mm. not being able to. Um, it could, if it's more on the depressive side, it might be more of, you know, of needing to sleep. And well, I mean, I think all moms need to sleep. <laughs> more, of, right. more of a desire to sleep and sleeping more, um, sleeping more than you might normally sleep. It could affect your appetite. You might be eating more, you might be eating less. Um, it could affect your sex drive. I mean, I think a lot of women would agree, especially immediately postpartum, they might not be in the mood, but you know, if that continues on, that could be another symptom as well. Um, it could affect um, your irritability. So you might find yourself, uh, like I was saying before, snapping more at your partner or other people, or you might even find yourself experiencing really intense anger. Um, I think we're going to get a little bit into postpartum rage later on. Yeah. Um, I know that was something you wanted to talk about, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone, I think there's this uh, misconception in the public that postpartum depression means that you're not attached to your baby. And that's not the case. For some people, that may be the case, that they might have trouble bonding with the baby and they might um, not want to be around them or feel scared to be around them. And for others, they're very bonded with their baby. Um, And that's not an issue. They might be experiencing more of the anxiety symptoms um, and have more trouble with letting other people take care of the baby. Mm. Sometimes even partner, it's hard to do that. So those are um, some of the symptoms. Other mood complications too, like if you're somebody who um, has a history of bipolar disorder, you could see that too, where there might be, that could affect your sleep. Um, if it's more of like manic symptoms where there's less need for sleep and you're like really only sleeping like an hour or two or night and feel great, um, that could be a symptom of, of bipolar disorder too that can occur. So I hope that helped it explain. I mean, I feel like there's so many symptoms and we'll probably talk more about it, but I hope that helped to give a good overview. No, that was great. That was great because I think there, it's really hard. Like I said, especially when you're so worn out and exhausted to differentiate between, is this just normal new, new mom life or am I going through something? Um, and especially Mm -hmm. it's so interesting what you said about bipolar disorder, because if I was somebody who was only getting a couple hours of sleep and was feeling super productive and energized the next day, I probably kind of feel like, Oh, 
look at me, I've got a, a handle on these things, you know, but that right. must be really scary to not pick up on that. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes when that's the case, because when you're in a manic state like that, you do feel great. Right. You're like, you're on the right. top of the world. So no yeah. one's thinking, you know, anything's wrong here. So usually it's more the family that recognizes that something is off. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, which is why it's so great why we need everyone to be informed, you know, not just moms who are having the babies, but Absolutely. their partners, family members, friends. We just need everybody to be aware of these things so that we can all um, talk to our loved ones about it and help connect them to help when necessary. Absolutely. And if it's okay with you, I really want to tell my story briefly. Oh, and yeah. Basically what I went through and the red flags that everybody missed and that even I missed um, so my experience always makes me really frustrated with our healthcare system. And I understand that there are things that are out of their control even, but I knew better. I knew about postpartum depression. I knew the signs to look out for. I knew that I was struggling, but for some reason I was just waiting for somebody to ask me and all of the doctors that should have caught it from my OB to my son's pediatrician, which I learned later on, they should have been asking they all missed it and they missed it because they never asked me and mm. I knew better. I don't know why I didn't just say something. I, I just, I, I just didn't speak up. So that was on me. I don't know what was going through my head at the time. I think I was so overwhelmed. I just assumed that basically my, my son had colic really bad. I'm talking crying for like six hours straight a day. So mm. I, I had all of the friends that I had that were moms, none of their babies had gone through this. So I was like, oh my God, what what is wrong with my baby? And what's wrong with me that I'm not able to cope? And they're doing so many, they're going to mommy and me classes. Like that seemed impossible to me. So I had a really tough baby and everyone in, in my circle of mom friends seemed to be doing okay. And I felt really alone and I just thought that it must be me. I'm just not able to cope. And I kind of thought between me and my husband, there was something wrong with us that we weren't having this wonderful new experience with our baby. And we loved him so much. And because he had all of these issues, I became, I definitely have control freak tendencies, but I definitely was very controlling. Like you mentioned, like not wanting, not feeling like okay to let anybody else take care of him. Cause um, it became like, okay, he needs to be held at a 90 degree angle to feed him correctly to not get gas and like it had all of these rules because I was so afraid that he was gonna not be okay and then it turned into having these really intrusive thoughts and I thought intrusive thoughts were like thoughts that you wanted to harm your baby but mine was so opposite I was so afraid of something bad happening to him specifically I had these visions of like somebody holding my baby walking through my house and accidentally hitting his head on like a doorway and I felt crazy. I was like, why? I can't stop thinking about this. I was consumed with worries like that. And my husband was so confused why I was terrified of that specifically. And I don't know. I, I've read since then that that's actually like a really common fear, like fears like that and thoughts like that, especially when you're dealing with postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression. So um, a lot happened in my life. I was going through a lot. We moved. I had issues with my job. And I really, it got to a point that I, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, something is wrong with me. I finally found a therapist like two and a half years later after feeling this, after my son was two and a half years old. And oh. yeah, it was, it was really, it was really hard to face the fact that I'm, I was still struggling. So by the time I got to therapy, I was a little too far gone that therapy I'd been in therapy for like a decade at that point just on and off just dealing with things but it was to the point that the therapist that I met could tell that I was a little too far gone for just therapy and she recommended antidepressants and I kind of I wasn't closed off to the idea I just thought well I I've gone through so many things in my life and I didn't need antidepressants and I was okay and but this time it was just different so I was dealing with postpartum rage. I was dealing with so many things and I was like, I, I need to do something. I can't live like this anymore. So um, I did it. And I, between therapy and going on medication, I, I felt so much better. And I compare, first of all, just to talk about antidepressants briefly, um, I always tell my mom friends if they're struggling, like how to why antidepressants or anybody why antidepressants can work this is how I explain it please correct me if I'm wrong but uh -huh. I my analogy is like a screaming baby in a crib 
So say he's mm-hmm. so upset. You know when you have a baby and they're screaming and they're screaming and you're trying to pop the pacifier in, but they're basically just like screaming at the pacifier. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you you eventually realize you need to pick him up and calm him and then he'll be calm enough to take the pacifier and let the pacifier do its thing and soothe him. So mm-hmm. for me, therapy was a pacifier. Like on its own, it wasn't working for me. I was just too far gone. Yeah. Um, so meds were like being picked up. Like my brain needed to be in a calmer place in order for the therapy to work. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, oh, that was a, that's a great description, Michelle. Oh, Sorry good. Okay. You. okay, good, good. That's kind of how I explain it. And especially for a new mom that kind of clicks. Um, mm-hmm. and now going through my second, uh, pregnancy and just like the years since I've gotten such a handle on my mental health that I went from with postpartum depression being a mom every day waking up felt like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. And now it's more like, I don't know how, but I'm going to be able to do this. Like having that Mm -hmm. confidence and not being, not feeling like it's this daunting part of my life. So that's my, Mm -hmm. that's my experience. Oh, I'm so glad that you're sharing it and that you have this podcast. And, you you know, your experience, unfortunately, you know, is not unique. There's so many other moms that go through something so similar to what you went through. Um, And you touched on some really great points. I can't believe I forgot to mention intrusive thoughts. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, no. I'm glad that you experienced it. Right, yeah, see, there's a purpose. Yeah, right, I know. They're so common. Do you know that they've done research on parents and these kinds of intrusive thoughts? And the research shows that, Basically, like, every parent experiences them. Really? It's it's 91% of moms and I think it's 87 or 89% of dads. Oh, my God. So that match. So it's, like, basically like a normal passage of parenthood, right? Wow, okay. I did not know that. that everyone necessarily experiences an anxiety disorder around them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Some people are able just to kind of, like, shake them off and just be like, oh, that's a weird thought. Right. Well, I was by a car, so no wonder I had that image of, you know, peering off the road and something terrible happening. And some people are are like, oh, my gosh, why am I thinking this? I must be a terrible parent for thinking this, you know? And those are kind of like, that's kind of the line of thinking for people who might be more on the anxious side. Um, yeah, so that's so great to know and put that information out there for people that if you have those intrusive thoughts, you're a parent. Right. And you know what? <laughs> if it's bothering you more, get help because it's so treatable. Yes. And, and it's actually really good that you said that because I did have them like on and off with the second pregnant, with the second um baby of mine, I was just kind of like, oh, creeps into my head, but then it goes away. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. It's not something that would haunt me. I think it's the haunting component that like mm-hmm. you cannot get that out of your head. That's when you know something is off. Right. Yep. That's um, when anxiety has started, when that loop just keeps going. Yes, for sure. And you'll know if you can't shake it or not because it consumes mm-hmm. your, your thoughts. Um, oh, yeah. So let's talk about the percentage of women who likely struggle with um, postpartum mental health issues versus who don't and, ver- and versus the percentage who actually get help, if you know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are a few statistics you might see and, you know, if anyone does any Googling, right? So they say that one in seven women experience it. Um, but what that is referring to is research that's been done on the first three months postpartum. And so, you know, if, if you're a parent beyond the first three months postpartum, yeah. you know that, you know, life is still very full and sometimes things still come up and can develop later. Or sometimes, you know, like you were saying, like, you didn't really get help until your child was like, you were, you were like two and a half years out, yeah, right? Yeah. From the birth. Yeah. Sometimes you just, you don't recognize it. You're not able to get help, whatever's going on. But when they looked at um, women 12 months out, they found that over the course of 12 months, the average was more like one in five. Oh my God. Um, so I like to quote that rate because I think it's really more representative mm-hmm. of how often it is experienced as more like one in five. And then when you look at moms of color, the rate goes even higher. It's more like one in three for moms of color. It's horrible. Um, I'd That's... also like to throw in dads too. Yes. Partners can also experience postpartum depression or anxiety. And that research shows that's one in 10. And as far as who actually seeks help, unfortunately, you know, it's a low number. It's only about 15%. 
but we are working on it. You know, that's <laughs> so- trying to get this info out there and get more people to know that it's okay. And it's not, you know, I think the problem is that so many people feel like if there's something wrong with them rather than realizing that, no, this is just something that can develop. It's actually the most right. common complication of birth of childbirth. Yeah. And I think that this time around, I was actually screened for it. And when I say screened for it, I mean multiple doctor appointments. They literally threw a form at me or I stood in front of the computer and answered multiple choice questions. And if I was struggling this time around, I don't know. I I can't imagine everybody is completely honest on that if they are struggling the way some of the questions are worded or they might be afraid their baby is going to be taken away or something and mm-hmm. so I don't, I, I know that there are so many limitations within the healthcare system. Um, but that was, that was upsetting to me to know. And, and they also never talked about the form with me. I did the form and there was mm. no conversation about it. And I have really great doctors. So I was really upset about that. And I mentioned it to them like, Hey, <laughs> just, you know, like I did struggle with this. So I'm surprised that this didn't come up at our last appointment. Um, mm-hmm. and the other thing that you mentioned with, uh, both parents going through it, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know where I read this. I only read it once. I don't even know if it's true, but it stuck with me that somewhere <laughs> said that if a husband is going through postpartum depression or a depressive state, yeah. the wife can't like, you won't oh, go through no. it. You won't go through oh, it at the same time. Yeah, no. And and for some reason I was like, "Oh, my husband must be fine." And he and like, I don't know. I just but he wasn't. I know he was struggling with this too. Right. Absolutely. And it makes sense, right? If you think about it, if, you know, somebody that you love, that you live with, that's your partner in life, helping right. you raise your child or children, right, is struggling, of course that's going to take a toll on you too. Totally. It's actually you're more likely you're 50% more at risk of experiencing you know some sort of postpartum depression or anxiety yourself if your partner is that makes so much more sense than that statistic I read because Mm -hmm. that fact that I read it was not didn't even make sense to me but I clung to that I was like he's okay no he's gonna be the rock here and neither of us were the rock and I was way worse than he was but I think that he just forced himself to keep it together for our family so Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense Yeah. So do you think it's always been this prevalent or is it the way, you know, just the components of motherhood today and like the lack of help that we have overall? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's kind of led to an increase or? Right. That's a great question. I don't know. You know, I, I haven't, I don't know if there is any research on that. Mm. Um, Because even one of the big postpartum um, organizations, Postpartum Support International, or PSI, you might hear it referred to as a lot. That wasn't founded until 1987. Oh, wow. You know, and yeah, so that was not all that long ago. (laughs) What do you think about how long we've existed on this earth? Right. And how long we've been (laughs) procreating, right? So, um, you know, and they started out of a, a, with a mission to help provide this information, to put it out there to the public, to connect people to help. Um, and also kind of like be a bridge to providers, to the um, therapists, doctors, lactation consultants, you know, whoever else is serving parents. Um, so, yeah, that's a really great, great question. I would say, and this is just my guess, I think it's always been around mm-hmm. because like we talked about before, you know, hormones are a part of that. Um, it's it's always a transition welcoming a new baby. and. Obviously, there's certain protective factors, you know, like having a really great support system around mm-hmm. can definitely help ease that transition and help to protect you from the development of a PMAD. Um, and sure, you know, decades ago, did life look a lot different? You know, maybe maybe there were more like single parent working or one, mm-hmm. one income family um, as opposed to both parents working outside of the home. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot more strains on family today um even like living i think like decades ago people used to live closer to their families right so maybe they had not just like mom's family nearby but also dad's family nearby so there might have been plenty of hands around to help um so yeah i think some changes um in more recent times have added to it but i think it's always been there and my guess would be probably around the same rate but totally just my guess no that makes sense no research that I know of. No, that makes sense. 
And, you know, I always think about, especially this time around, after this many years of just experiencing everything, I wish that doctor's offices and, you know, Instagram accounts, influencers, everybody who's talking to the audience of moms and parents, they would put as much emphasis as they do for birth plans around like postpartum plans, you know, like who are you going to have a doula? Are you, you know, if you are able to afford a doula or who is going to help take care of you and your family, the baby after you have this baby, um, who is your designated person? You know, we make, ideally you have a will or a guardian in place and, you know, we make all those plans, but we're not making plans to take care of ourselves. Like who is your designated person? If you are struggling with your mental health, like who are you going to go to, to talk to you about this? Is it your therapist and a family member and a friend? Like you should have a support system in place. And just like you would care about if something happened to you physically, who would take care of your baby? I think that there should be this emphasis on that mm-hmm. part of the planning. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that the, I think you're absolutely right. I think that pregnancy, it's all about preparing for the baby, right? Mm-hmm. And how is mom feeling? How's pregnancy going? And what do you want your birth to look like? Mm-hmm. And then postpartum, it's all too often been the case that it shifts to baby. Yeah. How's baby doing? And mom and dad or mom and partner get forgotten about. Um, yeah. And I love what you said about the postpartum plan. I love doing postpartum plans. I get so excited when somebody comes to me during pregnancy because there's so much time to, to work with this stuff and get things in place for the parents so that we really can be proactive and develop a postpartum plan, yeah. like you said. That's so great. Set up. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. You know, when, when I was, I was in therapy during my pregnancy and I was really fortunate that I tend to feel good during my pregnancy. As far as my mental health, I'm not as anxious. I don't feel as depressed. I think the hormones are on my side. Um, (laughs) and so I was able to think more clearly and I was planning to not, you know, be negative, not in like a pessimistic kind of way. I was just like, my child could have colic again, or I could go through postpartum Mm -hmm. depression. So I was hyper aware, which when I was in the baby blues period, it was tougher because I was so afraid. Oh my God, he's crying a little bit more today, or I'm feeling really weepy today. Like, am I suffering? Is he struggling? You know, I, it, it was scary at first, but it did help me stay on top of it. And I realized, no, I'm okay. And he's okay. And everything's okay. So I think that that was like a good thing that came out of it. But I think it's awesome that, you know, if pregnant women are are seeing a therapist, they can get those plans in place, what to look out for. Just have that in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it goes back to the point that you made earlier about, um, you know, the time when you sought help two and a half years out. It's easier for, or it's quicker, right? If you're experiencing any symptoms, the sooner you start getting yourself help, whether that's therapy, whether it's medication, whether it's a support group or a combo of of these things, the quicker it is going to to take for you to feel better and get back to, you know, feeling like yourself and not needing all the support anymore. The longer, you know, time passes before you do seek help and, you know, through no fault of your own, these things happen. We don't, It's not recognized. Like you said, it's not properly handled when it is tried to be uh, assessed at a doctor's office. Totally. Um, The longer that that takes to getting help, it it just takes a little more time for these supports to be effective, you know, because it's just been that much more time that anxiety or depression has, has sunk in, so to speak. And so you've developed probably more thoughts that are associated with depression or anxiety and yes. there's just a little more there to untangle. Yeah, or or you get to the point where your your fuse is just so short and your mm-hmm. ability to handle like you just your threshold becomes, you know, smaller and smaller. Um yeah. So on on that note actually, that makes me think of postpartum rage because I realized we just we didn't bring this up yet. And that's something that mm-hmm. that is something that is so terrifying and I do think for me it started after years of not getting help for depression, mm-hmm. for anxiety, it kind of manifested into like feeling just this rage. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt so scary, so out of control and really not my personality. So if you can talk about that, I think that would be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Postpartum rage is so common. Um, and I think it's another thing like the intrusive thoughts or like the fact that partners can also experience a PMAD. 
um, that's not well known. Hmm. Um, but it is very common. Um, and what it is, a lot of people describe it as feeling like this very intense anger. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, like people will say to me, it's something like I've never felt before. I've yes. never felt this level of anger. And it feels kind of out of character for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it feels scary, I think, because it, um, I think it usually comes on quickly. Um, and you feel like it's, it's kind of like, there it is. It's, you know, you're saying and reacting this way before you can even slow it down. It feels out of your control. Um, and again, I think this is where like these myths about parenthood, motherhood specifically come in that add to the guilt and the shame, like you were saying. You know, I think there's this idea that we're supposed to be a patient mother and we're supposed to always have energy for our children and we're not supposed to yell at them and we're supposed to discipline them (laughs) in the perfect way and we're always supposed to be composed. And that's just not reality. (laughs) We're not robots. We're not perfect. Our emotions are going to get the best of us or we're going to feel very overwhelmed. And I like to say to my clients when they're dealing with postpartum rage, that that's just like a red flag that something is very off right now. Mm -hmm. Something is off for you. A lot of times I see it as being connected to overwhelm. Um, So, I mean, it can be with depression or anxiety too. You know, I feel like there's so much overlap and connection between all of these things. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like the rage part, it feels out of body. That, at least for Mm -hmm. me, like I felt like I was watching it happening instead of like, I don't know, being a part of it. I can't really explain it. It just, that's a huge red flag to me that, that at least it was for me that something was really wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a lot of fear for moms. I was afraid. I was afraid to even tell my therapist, like, I feel this rage and this anger, you know, because that wasn't who I am. Of course I get mad. I get angry about things, but it's so different. It's, you feel it in your whole body. It like numbs you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people hear anger and their, their ears perk up and, and yes. people get concerned that, oh, anger, are you out of control? Right. Are you harming your child? Right. And that's not the case. People no. are just feeling, like you said, this out of body, out of control mm-hmm. experience. And, you know, it, it, out it comes, however it comes. Yeah. And you don't know what to do about it. And you also might be less likely to tell somebody about it because you feel that you might be judged or that, you know, worst case scenario that they might make a call to CPS. Right. Yeah. And I think with the pandemic, I mean, we can go on and on about the pandemic and how all of these issues Mm. issues are probably exacerbated for so many moms. But I I found that's like when it started for me, like I I couldn't, there was only so much I could take. And I had Mm. no, I went from having just a little bit of help to no help. And I was so overwhelmed and that's, you know, right after that is when I started medication and within a few weeks I finally was like, I don't even think I could get to that point anymore. I feel so much more level. I mean, of course, medication is not for everybody, but for me, that's how it really did take the edge off of that specifically for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Some, yeah, that's right. Some, not all people always want medication or right. need medication, but yeah, but it, it does really help. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone that I've worked with who's opted for it has found it to be so helpful. Yeah, thank God. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for it. Um, right. I feel like something that – there's something that's sort of diluting the whole effort in my mind to help women who are going through these issues and all sorts of issues in motherhood, whether it's from like – wine mom culture to the revenge bedtime procrastination where you know you have to sleep but you just like need to scroll on Instagram for two hours you know I think (laughs) that there's all these memes out there and these jokes that moms make and it kind of just waters down what's really going on do you find that yeah totally it does I I think it's tricky right I I think that on the one hand I I think that I, I get why it's sometimes hard to draw that line and Mm -hmm. say, you know, is this really a PMAD or is this just what parenthood looks like? Right. Um, And I think that one of, well, I think that if you're asking yourself that question, I would encourage you to reach out for help. Let someone who specializes in this area help you decide that because, you know, to the 
average mom out there, unless you're a therapist yourself or unless you specialize in this area, you're not going to know. So let the the specialist help you figure that out. Um, But I would say another thing too, to kind of keep in mind is to think about, you know, when you're talking about these kinds of behaviors that might be symptoms, you know, when we're saying, well, is this just kind of typical mom life or are these really symptoms of a PMAD to ask yourself, how often are you seeing these things? You know, is it just like once a week this is happening or are we talking about more like three, four or five times a week? Um, and also the severity of it. So, um, besides the frequency, to what extent is it affecting your life? You know, to what extent is it affecting your sleep, your appetite, your desire to be around people, your ability to leave the house? Um, all those kinds of things, you know, what impact is it having on your life? And if it's, you know, not really much of a, an impact, you're only really, um, I don't know, staying up late on Instagram, you know, right. once or twice a, a, a week, okay, fine. But, you know, if you're doing it most nights and you're sleep deprived, besides just the baby waking up because, you know, you're staying up late on social media, well, then I would say, you know, talk to somebody and, and let them help you sort all that out. Yeah. And and I think it's probably like the anxiety and just the uneasiness you feel if you can't do those things. Like for moms, if they're like, I I ran out of wine and I don't have any more left and I, I need a drink tonight after parenting all day. Or like, you know, for whatever reason, you can't, you know, mindlessly scroll on Instagram or do whatever your coping me- mechanism is. The more anxious you feel, not being able to do that would be a red flag for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think there's a difference between it being like uh, just something fun and a crutch, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. How you feel too if you're not able to do it. Yeah, and it's you know I I think it's good that we can laugh at the struggles of motherhood, but I don't want it to normalize. I don't like when they normalize things that are like, ah, oh, this could be problematic. You know. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. what do you think would contribute, if anything, to lower instances of these mental health issues following childbirth? Mm. Oh my goodness. So much. (laughs) I think that information is key. I think that, you know, uh, knowledge is power. So I think the more that we keep talking about it and, you know, in, in ways like this and podcasts on TV, among our friends, among the professionals that we see when we're pregnant and postpartum, just the more that we can do that and, and to think about the partners too. Mm-hmm. Um, that will really help to identify it or like we were saying before, or even help people to prepare, help people to think about, you know, well, it can be really helpful to have somebody who can, uh, go grocery shopping for you mm-hmm. as part of your postpartum plan. And so, you know, let's sit down and, and do a postpartum plan and think about what we can put in place for you, what resources you have already or what else is in your area. Um, what else? I think that, I mean, this is like a much bigger level, right? But I think that better paternity leave, we have terrible yeah. paternity leave here in the, in the uh, United States. Um, you know, just a, a few weeks, a couple months is not enough time. Um, and for both parents, not Absolutely. just for the birthing parent, but for both parents. So that however parents want to split that up, if they want to take it together or alternate so that their child can have more time at home with the both of them that would really help and take a lot of pressure off of parents. Um, I think that support professionals being knowledgeable too, like you were saying with like the doctor's offices, not Mm -hmm. just to do a screening, but to talk with their patients about it and to have referrals on hand so that if mom or dad is struggling, that they know where to send them and get them connected to help right away, you know, rather than sending them off and saying, well, go talk to your insurance carrier. Yeah. And, you know, good luck making a phone call to an insurance carrier while you have an infant at home. Right. Those calls alone can take like 30 minutes yes. just to get through and get somebody who has time for that when you have a new baby. Right. Um, what else? What else? Um, I think there's so much. Yeah. I'm just I, blanking on I had another thought. I'm n- just blanking on it. <laughs> that's okay. Interrupt me if it comes back to you. Um, yeah. I think that the the paternity leave is huge. In in my experience, I think if I had my husband home 
for three months. I mean, I was so lucky he was able to take a month, which he used all vacation time. It was just like he had to like hack his <laughs> his vacation time to make it work for us. Yeah. Um, but that I felt so grateful because I have a lot of friends who their their partners, it's two weeks and they're back to work. And that's so daunting as a new mom to be like, well, here I am for a 24-hour period, you know, because it's not just during the day. It's like staying up all night because you feel bad because your partner has work the next day, even though your job is work too. It's, it's very, it's very complicated. Um, And I found that I always share this, um, I formula fed. So I am very lucky to, I I was able to do this. I know breastfeeding moms, this is more challenging, but something that helped me because a red flag for me, or at least, you know, something that, um, triggers, uh, mental health issues for me is not sleeping. My husband and I were able to, uh, split, the night into shifts of like at least four hours to get a REM cycle, yeah. which is something my therapist told me to do. So um, we could have done longer, but we have another child at home. So it was hard to, to sleep in much. Um, so he would do like, you know, 12 to four. And then I would do like four to eight and just be, be having that time to sleep in another room with like a sound machine blasting. If you're, you're lucky enough to be able to do that, that was so helpful in that short period of time just to get, at least those first few weeks that if you have someone home just to get yourself Mm. some sleep at first, that, that really helped me. Yeah, absolutely. Sleep is so key. I always say that there is a reason that sleep deprivation is used as a form of (laughs) And that is unfortunately what it looks like very early on, right? Because you're waking up so much and yeah, splitting the night into shifts is such a great strategy to use so that each of you can get Mm-hmm. A, a decent chunk of sleep and be able to trade off. Yeah, like if you're going to have your partner home for any amount of time, that's like my number one suggestion is focus on sleep. Like have that person to help, there to help you sleep um, <laughs> if you can, of course. Um, and a lot yeah. of moms, including myself, they're like, I don't have the time or the childcare or the money to get help. So what can they do? Mm-hmm. Right, yes. Yes, that, re- that reminds me. That actually ties in perfectly oh, good. what my thought was before. I was going to say about accessible support. So, mm. you know, we know there's support out there, thank goodness, but not all of that is always accessible to people. Um, fortunately, one of the good things about the pandemic, you and I were talking about this, is telehealth. Yes. And so now you don't have to get to a therapist's office. Now you can sit down wherever you have privacy in your own home and hop online and meet your therapist. Um but even that, like you're saying, like some people don't have the money, some people don't have great insurance coverage or don't have insurance um, to be able to have access to these things that would make such a big difference. Um, so I would love to share um, some resources. Yes, that, please. Um, specifically to our state in New Jersey, to those moms that are listening, um, but also to other stuff um, around the country so people know where to turn for help. So like I mentioned before, PSI is a wonderful nonprofit that's doing such great work um, around supporting families um, around this vulnerable time period. Um, So if you go to their website um, and click on one of the top menus is get help and you can search there by your state and they will have people that are in your state and other resources in your state. Um, But the people I'm referring to are they have in the US here, they have state coordinators um, who are people you can email or call or sometimes even text and just say, you know, either get information about PMADS or they can send you to referrals in your area. And part of those referrals would be, you know, for moms who might not have, who might have terrible insurance company, Mm -hmm. you know, who, uh, insurance coverage rather, or whose, you know, finances might be an issue. Otherwise, um, they should have, um, access to whatever is in your area that is, you know, low income or even uh, free support in your area. That's amazing. So they're a, yeah, they're an awesome organization, great resources. They also, PSI has a ton of support groups. Um, they've always run support groups, but with the pandemic, they just added all these additional times and all these additional specific types of support, support groups for um, moms or parents who might be dealing with special kinds of circumstances more mm-hmm. than just what a typical PMAD support group might encompass. Mm-hmm. Um, so look for that too. That should be under the get help menu somewhere in there, the support groups. Um, specifically in state, um, we have three consortia. 
um, in New Jersey here, and it's just divided up into region. So it's Northern, Central, and Southern. And they also do similarly what the PSI state coordinators do. They connect moms to help in their area. They have relationships and information on the providers in the area and uh, can just get some information from you and help connect you to whatever help it might be um, that would serve you well. So in the Northern, they're called the uh, Partnership for Maternal and Child Health. And in the Central area, it's the Central Jersey Family Health Consortium. And for the Southern part of the state, it is the South, uh, Southern New Jersey Perinatal Cooperative. And if, I don't know if you have show notes, Michelle, but I can send you links yes. for all those. I was, like. I was yeah. just going to say, I would love to put that in the show notes so moms can just have that at their fingertips and just, you'll find it in the, in the description of the episode. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, there's also, I forgot to mention for PSI, they also have a, um, what do they call it now? I think they call it a warm line where yes. it's not a hotline where it's, it's, uh, someone standing by 24 seven. Um, but you, you call them and you leave a message and they will get back to you. I believe it's within 24 hours with information, again, resources that you need. Um, you can call it or you can text it. That's amazing. Those are such mm-hmm. great resources. I wish I had the knowledge of all of this when I was struggling because I really did not even know where to begin. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad that they exist. Yeah, me too. It's huge. It's so necessary. It should just be like an integral Mm -hmm. part of having a baby. And I hope that someday soon it really is. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I know. Me too. I always say like, (laughs) what'd you say? So we're on a mission, right? Yes, why yes. About this, why you have this podcast? Oh my gosh! Information out there. I really, I really hope it, you know if anyone listening is struggling, like they take the time to just check these resources out, and I really hope it. This episode just helps women. I, I like I said, I wish I had the information when I was struggling, and I always say like the bottom line is life is short, but it's also really long. So both of those are reasons why you should get help, and you. It's important to be happy and well and feel good you shouldn't suffer there's you really there's no reason to suffer no that's right everyone deserves to be at peace and be happy and Mm -hmm. to to be present right in in their family and not be bogged down by by depression or anxiety or whatever might be and there's yeah. And it's so important to take care of yourself. Like it's the, the old put on the oxygen mask on yourself mm-hmm. first before helping other people. Like your kids will benefit from a happy mom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say that when like moms might be having a hard time with doing something for themselves. I was like, remember yeah, <laughs> your child's going to benefit from this too. Totally. And also, you know, depending on the age, if, but if they're old enough to be observing you or in the future when they're older to be observing you and your habits, they're going to be taking that in and that's what they're going to create for themselves. So you're the role model too. Absolutely. So there's no other motivation, think about it from that perspective. Yes, for sure. Well, this was so helpful. This was just exactly what I hoped it, it would be. And I, I can't thank you enough oh. for taking the time to come on and talk about this. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I love anytime, anytime you want to talk about paternal mental health, I'm there. Awesome. And again, this is Laura Winters. And if you're in New Jersey, please check her out. Check out her website. Laura, do you want to plug anything uh, for where you work? Uh, sure, yeah, I'll just say my our website. Please check us out. At, it's um, the name of our company is Postpartum Health and Harmony, and the website is postpartumhh.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so thank much. You. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. It was a pleasure. I really hope this episode was helpful. And if you feel like you might be struggling or you need more information, do not hesitate to click the links in the details of this episode wherever you're listening to the podcast. And please follow along at not like a regular mom podcast on Instagram. I'll be posting some more content as I see it about this topic and email me if you have any questions or feedback, not like a regular mom podcast at gmail.com.